This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know, I don't understand this podcasting thing. How come you boys can't have those keg parties and chase the girls like all the other nice boys do? Y'all are nerds. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and now that retail stores have finished their most clever weekend in history, let's get clever with your investing. And who better to help us with Investing 101 than the woman behind Clever Girl Finance, Bola Sukunbi. Plus, how much do star NFL quarterbacks invest in their performance? We'll share stats on one quarterback and what this might mean to all of us NFL caliber savers. Last but far from least, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to Glenn, who is wondering how he would roll over his TSP account and whether it's even worth it. And of course, I'll fire up those brain cells with my Cyber Monday theme trivia. And now, two guys who have been investing in their performance with Cheetos and beer for decades, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I got to say my Cheetos game is on, but my go wash your hands right after the Cheetos, not so on. You got to have the white Cheetos. Have you had those? No. Mm. White cheddar Cheetos. A new new flavor. I like the extra crispy ones. Oh, That's one. Yeah, no. I got to say, I only have those when I'm on a road trip. Like there is no way I'm ever bringing a bag of Cheetos home. But if I'm on a road trip and I just stop for gas and, you All know. All are off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you, you know, I'm on vacation. I'm more than 500 miles from home. So it's all fat free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nutrition for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Happer, happer, happer Cyber Monday to you, Mr. OG. Is there a big delineation this year between Black Friday and Cyber Monday? <laughs> considering <laughs> everything's just been online since... Uh, March. Well, I was talking to Regina and Bridget last week. They're like, uh, all the deals have begun and we're not even Black Friday yet. <laughs> like, is there going to be anything special? Uh, probably, probably not. Uh, did you have a fantastic holiday weekend with family? Uh, yeah, yeah. Got a little after school activity in, which was nice. And um, just hung around, watched a little football. I told myself I wasn't going to work last week. And as you know, because <laughs> oh. we recorded part of last week. When you, when you told me that, I was like, this is pretty cool. And then uh, like Sunday night, a week ago, you're like, hey, dude, when are we working next week? <laughs> uh, thought we were taking the week off, but. But you know what? Duty the calls. The show must go on. We have to make sure that there are shows for everybody. 
And hey, thanks to Fiverr for supporting Stacking Benjamins. It's so easy to find freelance talent for your business or your product. Don't waste any more time. Get 10% off and the service you deserve by going to FIVERR.com and use code SB. We got a great show today. Our friend Bola Sekunbi here with us. Bola, of course, uh, with us this season, also on our Money with Friends All Headlines show. But she is here today. She has a new book out, Investing 101. So if all this investing stuff... A little bit foreign to you, Bull is going to break it down. Absolutely love what she does with Clever Girl Finance, even though you and I aren't the target market OG, just a fantastic community there. So today we've got headlines, we've got Bola, we've got OG, and we got a Haven Lifeline. So we got lots to do, man. Let's fire this thing up. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. I wanted to get your take on this headline that I saw early last week from investmentnews.com. This comes initially from Bloomberg News. JP Morgan says rebalancing could mean $300 billion, billion with a B, OG, exits stocks. The strong equity performance so far this month means large investors like balanced mutual funds may need to shift money to bonds before year end. Uh, we also had just generally, except for that mm, thing earlier that happened pretty strong year so far for, <laughs> we had a strong year, notwithstanding the minus 40. Yeah. Besides that one time when it was way down, <laughs> but we may see rebalancing. So first, before we present what the, they're talking about here, why don't, since Bull is here today and we're talking about investing 101 OG, maybe let's talk about what it, rebalancing is, how it works and why people may want to do that. When you set up your investment plan, you have to have an idea of what you want it to look like. How many big companies do you want? How many small companies? What percentage of your portfolio do you want to invest internationally? And there's mathematical ways to figure this out that allow you to capture the most upside with the least amount of downside uh, in putting all this together. So you'd start out January 1st and it looks exactly the way that you want it. And then the year happens and stuff goes up and stuff goes down and some things go sideways and some things go really up and some things go really down. And throughout the year, at the at some point in time, you look and let's say you started with four different things and all four were at 25%. Maybe you've got one that's at 15 and one that's at 35. Well, now it's out of whack a little bit. And so we have to have a system for putting it back in order. And so once annually is more than adequate, there's no statistical evidence that anything more than once annually will provide better investment returns. So we always say pick a date, right? Whether it's your birthday or a holiday or first of the year or the middle of the year, who cares, whatever, just do it. And once a year, you look at all, your, all of your stuff and you say, okay, what do I have to do to get this back to the thing that I wanted it to look like at the beginning of the year? So in the example, what we had would, you know, one, one thing was at 35, one was at 15. Well, you'd sell off 10 of your 35 to get back to 25 and you'd buy 10 of the 15 to get back to 25. And it sounds really counterintuitive because you're going, well, wait, why am I selling the thing that's going up? That's kicking butt. That's the good one. That's the good one. I don't want, I don't, I want to keep that. In fact, I want to take the thing that sucks that 15, that one sucks. I want to put that into this one too, because it's, you know, knocking the doors off. And that's where the discipline and accountability comes in because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And if your plan was good on January 1st, it's just as good on, you know, November 30th. It just so happens that things have, bounced around a little bit. So you have to put it back the way that you want it. So that's why this headline intrigues me because 
I always hear from non-pros, well, I'm going to wait until this happens. You never hear somebody on Wall Street say, you know what? I'm going to wait until that next big break and I'm going to stay liquid and then I'm going to put my money in when this, you, you never hear that. You hear things like rebalance. You hear about these professional processes of, of doing things. So when I see JP Morgan suggesting that we may see a lot of people exit stocks just purely because of rebalancing, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's interesting from a uh, professional standpoint, that's what they're saying, because I was just looking the other day at they produce a report every month called Guide to the Markets, and it's full of data. They collect a whole bunch of data, put it together in a PDF of 100 and some odd pages, and they don't necessarily give you any way to interpret the data. They don't say, well, this means because of this, stocks are going to go up or because of this, stocks are going to go down. They just say, well, here's the data over the last you know, whatever, 100 years, you figure out what you what that means. And uh, one of the things that I always look at are the net inflows and outflows. There was a person on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, who was talking about Vanguard's uh, study of uh, where they the you know, the value of an advisor, Vanguard did a study and pegged the value of an advisor at a certain number. And this person was arguing about it saying, you know, it's BS. And they just set it to placate advisors to use their funds and all that sort of stuff. And that there's really no no use for professional advisors whatsoever. And it's funny because the person who wrote it, you know, probably made about $25 million being a professional advisor over his lifetime. But now that he's cashed in his chips, he thinks that everyone else is bad. But, um, <laughs> uh, and his point was, he's like, show me the proof that an advisor can do well. And it's like, well, you, it, you know, how do you prove the the fact that you might do something incorrectly, but I pointed to this JP Morgan thing that shows that since 2009, the average investor, not our listeners, because the people who listen to our show, they go, they go, I didn't do that. You guys said people do that. I didn't do that. Well, no kidding, because you guys are taking accountability of your money. But I'm saying the average investor over the last 10 years is a net liquidator in U.S. stocks. Ouch. And you go, how could that be possible considering that the market has gone up so much and the vast majority of new money, the vast majority of rebalancing has gone into fixed income. And when you look at where that is today and where that puts you today, it's like there's nowhere for that to go but down. I mean, there was there was a time earlier this summer where 10-year treasuries were negative. I mean, you just kind of simmer on that for a second. You go, what does that mean to have a negative interest rate? It means that you, as the person who's lending somebody the money, would rather guaranteed take less money back than any other outcome in the entire world. And when you're lending money to the U.S. Treasury over a 10-year period, that's a pretty safe bet, right? I mean, yeah. it's pretty good odds that the U.S. Treasury is just going to pay you back. So with a negative interest rate, you're saying, I'll give you $10,000. As long as you guarantee me 9990 back, I'm happy. So... If you look at that relationship of where fixed income is now and where people have been putting their money consistently over the last decade, you go, well, somebody's not paying attention. You know, this isn't rebalancing. This is market timing. This is chasing, you know, different things and that sort of stuff. So, And this goes back to what I like about this piece, just talking about how the professionals are going to be rebalancing, right? Pros do these things we talk about all the time. Amateurs do what you're talking about. Well, I think it's going to do this, and I think it might do that. One of my favorite commercials, and as you know, because you play golf with me, I'm not a big golfer, OG. 
Don't play <laughs> golf a whole heck of a lot. But still, one of my favorite commercials on the radio has been one long-running commercial that was for Golf Digest. And it talked about helping people up your golf game. And one of the points that they that I love, and it made me last every time, was one guy saying, you never hear a professional golfer say, well, I'm just going to blast it through these trees. <laughs> no, you get safely back in the fairway and then you go, right? You don't roll the dice and hope for better. But yet, how often do we see that with investing where people go, well, you know what? I think I'm going to, I think that the election's going to go this way, or I think that the, this other thing over here might happen. So here's what I'm going to do. And it never works out. Never. Well, I mean, the internet is replete with examples of all the shipwrecks of people trying to do that. I mean, you just have to flip through Reddit. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's sad, comical, hilarious, infuriating. It's all those things when you see like the little charts of somebody that's like, hey, I'm just like you losers. I started with 10 grand. I got to 3 million six weeks ago and then I lost it all in a week. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that yeah. person. I was glad they that went to Reddit, like assuming that they're. Yeah. And assuming that they are real, which you never know, but assuming that they are real and everybody on the internet, everything is true. Of course, <laughs> there is no such thing. No, I believe that big time, uh, internet quote, the don't believe everything you see on the internet, by Abraham Lincoln, that's my yeah. favorite quote, that is awesome. but assuming that that's true. I love the fact that they came forward and said, Hey, here's a cautionary tale. Here's one. I'm just wondering how many people didn't get that joke just a second ago. <laughs> just went right over their head. Uh, we'll let it go. Our second headline comes to us from CNBC.com. This is written by Jade Scipioni. Jade writes about NFL quarterback Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know if you saw this. NFL star Russell Wilson spends at least a million dollars a year on his mind and body. Uh, Jade writes, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson says he's so determined to play football until he's in his mid-40s like Tom Brady. He employs a full-time performance team as high-tech toys and spends seven figures a year on his health. By the way, toys is in quotes. I don't think he sees them as toys. Wilson told sports analyst Bill Simmons on his podcast, Bill Simmons, an analyst or a sports commentator. <laughs> Just a little change there. I mean, Bill's a smart guy, but I think calling him an analyst, it might be a little bit heavy. A majority of the money he spends goes to his full-time performance team. Team consists of a trainer who travels everywhere with Wilson and his wife, who's a physical therapist, a mobile person who makes sure Wilson is moving the right way, a massage therapist, and two chefs. In addition to his performance staff, Wilson told Simmons he has, quote, all the toys to boost performance. A million dollars a year spent on higher performance. Do you think he looks at it like a cost or an investment? Oh, I t are you just putting the ball up on a tee? So I could just tee off on this one. Well, if it was on a tee, there's a good chance you'd whiff. I, I proved a good point. Back to the golf thing. Yeah, I probably would. I saw somebody online talking about a real estate professional in a popular forum and saying, hey, I'm just starting to build my real estate empire. I'm working with this real estate pro and I'm wondering now that I bought my first property and it went really smoothly, if I should send that person a gift. There were uh, over 150 comments on this piece and every stinking one of them said, no way. You know why? Because they got a commission. 
But man, does that make me angry? Why do we always look for the cheapest way to go about things when you look at people who are as accomplished? And it's not even about money. I, I, don't get me wrong. It might be about, I don't know Russell Wilson personally. It might be about money, but I have a feeling if he wants to play in his mid forties, it isn't about the money. I think he wants to be at the top of his game. And if you've only got one chance to do this, why the hell would you settle? Why would you go? Yeah. You know what? I don't need a professional in my corner. I've got Earl on the internet. Who'll tell me what to do. Earl, who I have no idea who the hell they are. I know nothing about their ability to do anything. Do you think that Russell Wilson just pulled somebody off the street and went, Oh yeah, you can, Hey, Hey, can you make macaroni and cheese? You're going to be my chef. I was thinking about that. The chef component of it. You and I have talked about this many times. So we're in strategic coach, the guy who runs strategic coaches name is Dan Sullivan. And I've heard Dan talk hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And some of the stuff that he talks about is so far out there. Now he's the CEO of a very, very large and successful consulting company. So I'm guessing he has some pretty high financial independence, right? He's pretty good. He's good in that. He could probably but stop. He could. But what I'm talking about here is how he has decided to do different things in his life that I look at and you go, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, for example, one of the things I heard him talk about was in the early 90s, he stopped driving. He just said, it's a waste of time. I would have better outcomes in my life if I'm not the one driving because it allows me to just think and sit there and I get more productivity out of the fact that I can sit and think than be the one who's in charge of getting me from place to place. You know, now it's been 40 years of that, right? Or 30 years of that. And he said, if we added up all of the time that he saved by not parking, not walking from the parking spot to the front door and all that other, like all those little yeah. teeny tiny micro things. He's like, I've saved so much time in my life by like literally getting dropped off at the front door, walk into my meeting and come back out the cars there and I go home. Like I don't wait for my car. I don't, you know, whatever. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. He made a comment one time I heard about how he pays all his bills on the, at the first of the year because just prepays everything. Paying bills sucks. And Every month the electric bill comes and every month you have to take time out of your day to figure out how to do that. It's and so powerful when you think about how can I do more of the things that I love, right? Yeah. Spend money on the things that I love or getting rid of the things that I don't love and maximum. Well, and from the perspective of like trying to get better, like you said about the chef, he didn't like just grab somebody off the street and say, you're pretty good at uh, cooking cheeseburgers, right? You're pretty good at like, he went, okay, I'm a pro athlete. This has to be in sync with my training regimen. That has to be in sync with my peak performance coaching so that I can optimize the minute that I have to play a football game. Like I am fully charged, ready to go. And all those people have to work together. And, you know, the trainer is talking to the chef about, here's the stuff I need you to feed him this week. And all that's super expensive, but he's looking for the outcome. And it's not a thing for Russell Wilson that, hey, look at me, I'm spending a million dollars on a chef. That's not that. He's like, how do I continue to do this thing that I love doing and that I'm really good at, you know, for an additional five or 10 years? What's that worth? We just had Ramit Sadie on the show. You've heard about him. I mean, he goes to all those lengths. He, he wears the same color clothing a lot because he only has so much brain power. 
to think about so many different things. He puts his hotel room down at the end of a hall, right? He has specially prepared food that he makes sure is in that room for him because he knows if he goes like I do, man, I go out of town. Like I said, the Cheetos, <laughs> I go out of town. I'm eating the wrong crap. Ramit doesn't want to do that. So he's thought about that ahead of time. So he has it delivered. He has it in his room. He can focus on what he needs to do, gets rid of the distractions. And guess what? Ramit Sadie, probably a high performer. And by the way, I want people to take this the right way. There was a time, oh, gee, and I know there was a time for you too, because we've talked about this a lot. There was a time when I just needed to pay the bills that I needed to get from point A to point B, but it was never about cheapening my life. My point isn't to spend a crap load of money that you don't have. My point is I get so tired of it. If there's anything about this that makes me sad, it's the number of people that I see online chatting that are all about cheapening their life. And you think about it, the other side of it too, with that philosophy, you're trying to optimize stuff, right? I think the pushback that you'd get, Joe, is that people would say, no, I'm not trying to cheapen anything. I'm just trying to like make sure every dollar is well used. That's why I use inexpensive mutual funds, for example, or something like that, right? Because I want to make sure every dollar is used appropriately. I think there are some things that you have to evaluate as purely a cost, and I think there's a lot of things that you should evaluate from an investment standpoint. And it's pretty clear that in this example, Russell Wilson looks at that, you know, that expense that he has on his budget, that million dollar expense is not a cost to him. It's an investment. He's like, if I put a million into this, I'm going to get four more years of my $50 million contract on the back end of my career, you know, or whatever that deal is, or I'm going to get better utility or something like that. There are certain things in your life that definitely are costs. And there's other things in your life that are investments. People go talk to somebody who drives a Tesla. You're like, dude, why would you pay $70,000 for a car? $100,000 for it? No, 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 no. It's an investment. You know, why would you put solar panels on your, on your roof? No, 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 no. It's an investment. Well, but isn't it a hundred thousand dollars to do that? Yeah, yeah, but it's an investment. At some point in time, some of those things are investments, you know, where they're going to pay you back over time. And then some things are pure costs, right? But I think it's important to understand what the difference is. And if you can spend the money on the investment side. I think that's your message is invest in yourself, invest in the stuff that's going to produce results for you down the line. Well, gee, before we get to our big, exciting takeaways, do you own or rent your home? No, you're nodding your head. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I, now I'm, I'm breaking the fourth wall, OG. I'm talking to everybody out there. Sure you do. Bet it can be hard work. You know, it's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. Geico easy. That is a phrase. Another phrase that you want to practice is I pay my credit cards off in full. And you know what? If you do, you want to hear something amazing. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. That's 99% of places in the U.S. to take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. And so when it comes to takeaways, I think, OG, your last point that you should invest in yourself and things that are going to help you down the line. I think that's a great first takeaway. Takeaway number two, going back to our first headline, 
when it comes to your investing, don't just blast it through the trees <laughs> to use our analogy from golf. Something I probably shouldn't even be quoting is golf. Use things like rebalancing to become a better investor. And by better, I mean a more predictable, rational, systematic investor. Cheryl has warned me that I say this about a lot of people, OG, but uh, Bola Sekunbi is one of my favorite people in the world. She is absolutely fantastic at what she does. And man, does she do a lot. She's a certified financial education instructor. By the way, she used to uh, meet one-on-one -on -one with a lot of people, coaching people one-on-one. -on -one. Now, she largely spends her time leading her Clever Girl Finance community and writing and commentating about finance. Of course, you've seen her in Time, Money Magazine, Fortune, Good Morning America, CNBC, ABC News, Cheddar TV, the Chicago Tribune. Of course, if you want to hear Bola's story, which is also incredible, Richie, our producer, will have a link on our show notes page to the first time that Bola was on telling her story. Today, she's here because she has a new book out helping teach all of us the very basics about how to invest and set up a portfolio. Let's say hello to my good friend, Bolissa Cumby. And on my dad's shortwave radio, a woman who we wish we could hang out with again in the basement, like when she was here last time, but with COVID and everything, we'll have to deal with it this way. Polish Cumby joins us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Well, we have to talk about what's really going on. You're using us today because you're just trying to hide from your kids because they are like many moms and dads out there. Your kids are, uh, you've become a teacher, Bola. Yes, I'm a teacher, a nanny, a cook, laundromat. All kinds of things. Do you want to do this over alcohol? Should we? <laughs> I wish I drank. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I could, I could be persuaded today. Today I could be. Super I know, yeah. So kudos to all the moms and dads navigating this crazy time. Um, we're making it work though. Do you remember your first investment that you made? Yes. Well, my 401k was my first investment. And that was not because I believed in it, but it was because I was getting free money because <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what is this 401k? You pay me and then I pay you back. You must be joking. But then they were like, well, you get free money. I was like, sure, I'll invest. So that was my first one. But my most memorable investment was learning about investing on my own with the 401k. I just did it. And then I was like, I'm going to learn about investing. And I invested in Gap. And Gap was one of my favorite clothing stores, but I was one of the those, you know, track and panic type of investors. So I invested, I think it was like a thousand dollars and then the stock declined by 25%. And then I sold all my stock and then it went up and then I bought more stock and lost more money. <laughs> I was a hot mess investor, but I learned a lot of lessons. So Gap is my most memorable um, investment that the ticker symbol is GPS. I can never forget it. <laughs> Because you still hate them today because you lost a bunch of money on it. Yes, I was there misbehaving with Gap. I love that, though. There's so many lessons. And in the big scheme of things, I mean, don't get me wrong. A thousand dollars is a lot of can be a lot of money, but starting relatively small and dealing with I mean, the problem really wasn't the gap. It sounds like as much as it was emotions and emotions hit every investor. 
It was me. I didn't do my research. I didn't know anything. I just knew I could buy Gap stock. I was impatient. You know, and even when I made money, I sold it without really understanding the tax implications. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a lot of it was me and just not understanding, not having the knowledge that made me confident about how I was investing. You know, I know because I'm I'm learning what it's like to be an author as I'm, you know, my chapters for my book are due in mid-January and I'm procrastinating every minute by talking to you. The, <laughs> wow, <Joe. laughs> you, know, you know how that goes, right? From your excuse. Like, okay. <laughs> what told me your problems? I have my own. My kids are downstairs. She's like, whoa, 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 easy. But I'm going to see how well you know your own book. We're going to go to some oh. phrases at the beginning of the book that are misnomers that people have. And you tell me what's wrong with each of these. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't grab that book. I see you doing that. You tell me what comes to mind when I see when I say these phrases. All right. Investing is too hard, Bola. I could never do it. What do you say to that? I hear that all the time. It's not too hard. You got to try it first and you got to educate yourself to make it simple for yourself. And when you talk about educate yourself, what do you mean? Do you mean becoming an engineer at this and knowing every little thing? No, it's really picking up a one-on-one book like this one and learning how investing works. Listen, I was a girl after my gap disaster that would sit on the New York subway re- reading the book, Investing for Dummies. And people would look at me like I was a fool. And I'd be like, no, you are the dummy because I'm the one reading about investing for dummies. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> so it's about learning how it works, starting with the basics. And as you learn, you start to craft a plan that makes sense for you and your own unique financial situation. Was that your first go-to book? Was that the first one you picked up? Actually, I tried to pick up a lot of other investing books at the time. They were all just a bunch of complicated jargon. They were just like over the top, just deep, deep advanced investment books. That was the easiest thing I found. And so I picked, and even that at the time, it was a great book, but it was still a little complex for me not knowing anything about investing. Yeah. I start off with the Motley Fool guys book, one of their early books from the early 1990s. And that got me excited about individual stocks. But here I am, a guy with a lot of debt, can barely pay his bills. And I'm reading The Motley Fool. And I, yeah, yeah, probably, probably not what I should have been reading at that point. Okay. Uh, next one. Investing's only for rich people. They have money to burn and I don't. Yes. People say that a lot. Um, I'm also, they also say, I'm going to wait until I earn more money to invest. Like investing is this thing that is exclusive to the elite. But when you really look at the elites, when you exclude those who are the trust fund babies or got, you know, financial generational wealth transitions, a lot of these wealthy people, so-called elite, they made their money from investing in different ways, right? So investing is not just for the rich, investing is for anybody. And when you start investing, you put yourself on the pathway to becoming rich and becoming rich is not just for yourself. It's for your family, for your children, for your community to transition generational wealth. So you start now with what you can start small. That's the best way to learn. So you're not losing $10,000. You're losing 50 bucks when you're making mistakes and that's better to digest. There's, there's some of these cool little mathematical tricks that you have in the book. And like you said, you don't got to know a ton about math, but there's this cool thing called the rule of 72 that you point to that leads me to like, I'm as lazy as the, well, you know me, Bola, I'm lazy as the next <laughs> dude. And listen, if I can invest a little bit of money early using the rule of 72, then my money makes money for me. Tell me about this thing where I can be super lazy with my money and have my money make money. So I don't have to. Yeah. So the rule of 72 is a super, super basic investing, not just investing, but just, you know, growth 
rule, right? And it basically shows you how long it'll take, how many, how much time it'll take for your investment to double when you multiply the timeline by 72 or not just your investment, your debt as well. And really what that does is it helps you gain perspective about the potential of what this small amount you have in your hand could potentially grow to be in a matter of years, depending on the amount and the timeline and the interest rate, right? So it's something that if you're just looking for a little trick to hype yourself up, um, Google Rule of 72, put your numbers and your your timeline and this interest rate into the calculator. And you might be really surprised by what that little $100, $500 consistently invested over time can grow to. I want to stop on this for a second because... I mean, I just think this is so powerful. You talked about $1,000 in gap. Let's make it a little more even, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but let's say that you invested in index instead so we can get a little bit more even returns. It's not going to always go up, but we could probably say conservatively 8% over time, you know, uh, that that will go up. So we take 8%, we divide it into 72. That means every nine years, guys, your money's going to double. Let's say at 25 years old, you invest not even 1,000, let's say it's 500 bucks. Well, that's not really, if you're saving it for retirement, we'll put that somewhere in the mid sixties. That's not $500 anymore. It's going to double again. So, so what do we say? Eight into 72 every nine years. So if you do that Mm -hmm. at 25, it's going to double when you're 34, it's going to double when you're 43, it's going to double when you're 52 and it's going to double again when you're 61. And if you don't, you know, you decide this money, you don't want to touch your 70, it's going to get another double. So four times at 61, five times by 70, if you leave it. So that's, that isn't 500 bucks. It's going th- through these four times. It's a thousand with the first double 2000 with the second 4,000 with the third, that $500 is $8,000 in retirement money. But I mean, talk about being able to be lazy. That's fantastic. Yeah. And keep in mind that that doubling is based on your interest rate, right? So you haven't gotten a dividend, right? Which if you get a dividend, that's a big deal because it adds on to that amount that's going to double. So um, yeah. I absolutely love that you've got that in the book because it's so powerful. Uh, Okay. Last one. Investing feels like gambling. Yes, it feels like gambling if you don't know what you're doing. If you're getting investing advice from your favorite influencer on Instagram without really researching what is the investment, what does it cost, why are they investing, it is a gamble. Anytime you put your money in something you don't understand, it is a gamble. It's a gamble to go try out that new restaurant because you've never had their steak before. It's a gamble to stay at that resort in Mexico because you read good reviews, but it may not actually be that good. Life is a gamble. But when you do your research, when you get on TripAdvisor, when you look at the Yelp reviews, it becomes less of a gamble and you can make more confident decisions based on the information you have. It's the same with investing. You do your research so you become confident, so you feel you have an understanding of this investment before you put your money into it. Just because everybody says buy this stock doesn't mean you should buy it, right? You only buy it because you have a sense of understanding. So you want to minimize the feeling of gambling and instead build up that feeling of confidence as an investor. Well, and you, you, you point out that these indexes are based on the economy. So really you're not, it's not voodoo. If the economy does well, your index should do well. Yeah. And if the economy isn't doing well, then we have a lot of other problems like a pandemic. (laughs) Do we have one of those? Oh my God. Who's worried about class right now? Pandemic's happening. I didn't even notice. I'm here in mom's basement. I had no idea there's a bit. Wow. Pandemic. I should go outside once in a while or maybe not in this case. 
Um, uh, you talk about following, you know, you just mentioned following Instagram people and doing stuff because they do it. There are people that go to financial advisors and you went, you had a horrible situation with a financial advisor. Tell me, tell me about that. Yes. I thought, you know, again, not knowing much about money in my early twenties, saving a good amount of money. I thought, you know, in order to build wealth, I have to talk to a money quote unquote expert. That's going to tell me what to do. Cause I don't know what to do. This is when I was starting to learn about investing, but I didn't know that much. So I go to this financial advisor and he starts asking me all these questions. And I think he's asking me questions like, where did you get the money? Are you married? Because he's trying to craft it into my plan. But really, he was wondering why this black girl is in his office with no sugar daddy, no rich boyfriend. <laughs> where Did you rob a bank? Where did you get this money? And it was so patronizing. I was so annoyed. I left that office so mad. And I actually didn't do anything with my money for a few months until I was like, you know what? Screw that advisor. I'm going to figure this out on my own. I'm going to learn how to invest. I'm going to learn what it is, you know, how all this stuff works. And that's exactly what I did. And it's nothing to advisors, Joe. I love you. You know that. <laughs> well, and I'm not an advisor, so you're not hurting me. I do think oh, having, <laughs> I do think having smart people in your corner makes sense, but they need to be teaching you and exactly. they need to be, they, they don't need to be mansplaining to you or exactly. asking you. All kinds of crappy, you know, questions that are dumb. Yeah, but you know what? I, I'm actually pro-advisor because now we have an advisor again because there's just so many things I can do with running a business, with having kids. I want somebody to keep their eye on my money for me. But at the same time, working with an advisor is not a handoff. It's not here's on my money, do what you want. It's listen, here are my goals. Here are my objectives. Here's what I want to accomplish. Here's my risk tolerance. Make sure that you're following what I want to accomplish, not what you think is best for me. And a lot of people think the advisor is just this crystal ball who's going to create a plan for them. But you have to go into that meeting. You have to build that relationship based on what you want for yourself, knowing how hard you work for your money and making sure they're following your goals given their knowledge and their skill set, but not deviating from your plan. Yeah. Making you smarter, I think is number one of a good advisor, right? Whether it's a financial advisor or a health and wellness advisor, whatever, making you smarter about how to do this stuff, I think is number one for me anyway. And number two is really what you, what you think we're alluding to, which is making sure everything dovetails. Like you've got all these facets of your life. How does it all work together? Exactly. Yeah. By the way, when you were talking about women and investing early on, I was with this big company and we had, we would do these women investing seminars and there's nothing I hated more than mansplaining investments to a bunch of women in front. Of, and by the way, they were all so sexist. They all assumed that women like to shop and women like to go out and spend money. And, you know, you need to know a little bit about this because the man can't always take care of you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It was so offensive, even to me. I, I mean, at that time, I'm a middle-aged white guy now. I was, a, I was a young white guy then. And I'm like, I can't do this crap. But Bola, you bring up a lot of the stuff that women really need to know, which is there are a lot of statistics. And by the way, at that time, they, they wanted me to do it because, you know, 90% of us at that time were men. There weren't that many women. There still aren't that many women as financial advisors. There aren't nearly enough financial advisors of color. That's a, We'll save that for a whole different uh, episode because- we need more people that look like the people they serve and are in the communities of the people they serve. But you have all kinds of statistics about why women need to be better investors. Can we touch on those? Yes. I mean, the statistics are depressing, unfortunately, but you know, the truth of the matter is women, we live longer than men on average, which means we need more money over the course of our lifetimes to support ourselves, our children, 
generally we're, we're givers, right? We give to everybody else and we think about ourselves last. We are impacted severely by the gender wage gap. And depending on demographic, right, it's not 20%, it's more depending on who yeah. you are. And as a result of that gender wage gap, we're also impacted severely by the investment gap because we don't have enough money to invest as much as we could. And then there is the the literacy space where, or literacy gap, where because we don't know, we're actually not investing the little that we have in order to get ahead and support ourselves over the long term. When you think about it, this is not our fault, right? It's if you look at just standards of the world, you go back to your grandmother, your mother, the standard household then was, okay, the mom takes care of the kids, makes dinner, puts on the table. The dad comes home, eats the dinner, pulls his sons aside, talks about business, money. The mom carts her daughters off to the kitchen. They clean up. They talk about homemaking recipes. Everybody has a recipe from their grandmother. Everybody, right? My mom, my mom went to home ec class in high school. My, my dad went to shop class. Exactly. Same thing. I did home economics. My favorite thing was sewing. I can sew. Listen, I can sew your whole shirt for you right now by hand. I, I know how to sew. Show off. Right? Show off. Yeah. Are, you, mean, are, you, are, 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 are you just flexing now? Is that what you're doing? I can sew. I can start a sewing <laughs> business. But everybody in my class was a girl. And then all the boys went to the carpentry, car, yeah. whatever thing. So that's just what it is. But in today's world, women are in this space where many women are choosing not to get married. Many women are sole household earners, breadwinners, single mothers, all of that. And so we're in this space where we have to know how to manage our money and we have to invest. But the good news is that when we do invest, we're actually really good. We're really good investors, more so than men, because, (laughs) you know, we make decisions not based on muscles or not flexing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy your face. (laughs) Well, you don't share stories like... You don't share stories like, hey, so guess what I did, you know? Exactly. It's not a, yeah. So we do well once we know. And so it's so important for women to invest, to take ownership and to be empowered with the knowledge to do well, right? To build that confidence. And so I want new mothers now, you know, aunties, nieces, grandmothers who listen to, yes, pass down the recipes, pass down the awesome homemaking skills, but also pass down the money lessons and the investment education and empower women to do well, because there's no reason why we can't. All those depressing statistics you had, you sure you don't want to take up drinking? I mean, it's a, <laughs> you got the kids at home. You got all these depressing numbers. When the kids are home, I start drinking. They may set my house on fire. <laughs> Nobody would fault you. More money. <laughs> Nobody would fault you at all if you just decided, you know, I'm taking up something new, new hobby. All right. Headline, mom drinking, kids set house on fire. Wow, she's a saint. Do not fault her. <laughs> I want to do just a couple, uh, one more game uh, for people that are brand new to investing from very early in your book. Because you get into, you start off with the very fundamental basics and then you move into how to research. You talk about investing for retirement and how that's different, investing for other goals, different strategies around investing. But I want to do the very, very building block basics people need to know. And let's, let's see how you do with these Bola. No pressure, but to, let's just see how you do with these. Number one, what is a stock? A stock is ownership in a company. My kids know that. Woo-hoo! Nice. Nice job. So then what, what, well, and I love how, and by the way, I love how you start there in the book. I mean, you take nothing for granted. You and I both know a lot of people don't know what a stock is. So you own a company. What, what so then what's a stock exchange? 
a stock exchange is where you can buy and sell stocks. <laughs> she's my teacher, and I'm. And this is homeschooling 101 right now. <laughs> she's she's looking at me like you could be, give me a tough one, and I'm and I'm not really obviously trying to stump you. Uh, uh, number three, then. So then, explain to our new investors in the audience what's an index then. An index is basically a benchmark that tracks something like the S&P 500 that has five of, let's say, the largest corporations in the U.S. that anchors the economy. And essentially what an index allows you to do, is it mimics this S&P 500, for example, and allows you to invest similarly to the S&P 500 so that your investments basically track the economy in this example. You, you mentioned that there are only two ways really to make money. And I think that what we just went through is really important for that reason. What are the two ways that you list in your book <laughs> to make money, Bola? The two ways is by exchanging your time for money, right? You go to work, you work 40 hours a week, or by putting your money to work for you where you're doing whatever, your money's hard at work, earning more money for you. That is so powerful when you talk about that. Like, do you want to, and if you're only going to put your money in a bank account, you say, your money's never going to make it money. So you're going to have to work for every single dollar. Yeah. I find it so hilarious when people chase, I mean, I wouldn't say hilarious, but it's, it's funny watching people chase these interest rates. You know, there are people who are perpetual account chasers. Oh, this bank is doing 1%. No, this bank is doing 1.1%. Inflation is two and a half percent. Unless a bank account is beating inflation, you know, by far, like give me five, six, 7%. Let's go back into the nineties here. I don't need to move my money around because at the end of the day, I'm losing money the longer I have it in that bank account. And it's fine for things that, you know, are upcoming emergency savings. You want to have that money now, short-term goals, having a baby, getting married, buying a house. You want to have that money now, but long-term your money should not be in um, a bank account. You want to put that money to work for you through the power of time compounding the rule of 72. And that's by investing, investing in the stock market, investing in business, investing in real estate, but you want to invest that money. The book is called Learn How Investing Works. Grow Your Money is actually the name of the book. It's available everywhere, but people can find this at clevergirlfinance.com. Yes, you can find that and more stuff and you can join our community at clevergirlfinance.com. It's so fun. You just teach these <laughs> things so well, Bola. I absolutely love it. Thanks for spending some time talking about the basics of investing with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a great opportunity. Cyber shopping fans, I'm your trivia pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Thanks to last week's guests, I was able to score some killer Black Friday deals. But if you think I can't do better, well, you are new around here, aren't you? In just a moment, I'll drop a little tale about how I scored big on Cyber Monday. But first, let's help you score on today's trivia challenge. Between typing deals on a desktop computer thumbing it on your mobile phones and swiping on your tablets, what device generates the highest portion of revenue from shopping on Cyber Monday? I'll be back with you and have your answer faster than you can impulse buy that flash deal. So I got to tell you, OG, that is I'm getting back uh, after COVID Every workout hurts. And you know, what's funny. I keep blaming it on the fact that I was sick before, but even before things 
used to hurt. And on top of that, the stress of daily life weighs on everybody. So whether you're an elite athlete trotting down the road like I am, just or just a regular person trying to get through your day, muscle pain, muscle tension, that's a real thing. That is why I and Cheryl, frankly, both use Theragun, the handheld progressive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using this scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. And now it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. That's all because the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, you're going to wonder if it's on while you're soothing aching muscles with Theragun's signature power, amplitude, and effectiveness. So after I go out on runs, and also I find... Late in the day before I go to bed, great times for me to use Theragun. I'm also thinking about it as gifts for some of my closest friends. Mom complains about her aches, oh geez, you know, fairly often. And I'm thinking, well, hopefully she's not listening, but I'm thinking that might be a good gift. Uh, Try Theragun for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, or as Bridget Carey said last week, an OLED screen. Which which way do you pronounce that? OLED? Uh, personalized Theragun app and the quiet and power you need. Starting at only $199, go to theragun.com slash SB right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash SB, theragun.com slash SB. If you're a runner in the audience, uh, like I'm trying to be again, You're not going to regret that. And something you'll thank me for if you are a business owner or if you use freelance talent, or by the way, even if you're looking for a side gig, let's talk about finding freelance talent for your business or project. Sometimes a business like a podcast needs to quickly pivot in order to meet a goal, or maybe an unexpected obstacle occurs, making it impossible to meet your deadline with the size of your current team. We have a team of eight at Stacking Benjamins, and we are constantly making that team bigger just for whatever project. When we did the stack, we made it a little bigger. When we were creating some new Stacking Benjamins branded commercial stuff, uh, when we're doing tweaks to the show, we need some. When we have big artwork challenges, video challenges, we use freelance talent. But where do you go to find it? How much is it going to cost? How can you be certain they'll deliver? Well, finding the right freelance talent can be time-consuming, frustrated, and expensive. Fiverr's platform helps keep businesses moving with the network of trusted freelance talent. Whether you're launching your first business, scaling your current business, or in need of extra support to complete a project, Fiverr's here to help you evolve, adapt, and grow. Fiverr connects businesses with freelancers who offer hundreds of digital services, including graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. And I'm going to give you a little hack here. If you're not sure exactly what you want somebody to do, and you know you're going to hire somebody long-term, go find a freelance person at Fiverr. You will quickly see what you love about a role. You'll also see what good people bring to the table, and that will help you better define the role long-term. I like doing it that way uh, versus what I used to do when I was younger and not quite so smart. Not that I'm smart now. I still make a ton of mistakes, but here's what I don't make. I don't just hire somebody long-term without really knowing what I want. And Fiverr gives me that ability 
to have somebody who's working on task by work. In fact, it's easy to find what you want instantly search by service deadline, price reviews, and more. There's quality talent there. In fact, sellers that work with some of the most influential brands in the world, like stacking Benjamins, of course, finding, I added that in finding talent for your projects. Never been easier. Check out fiverr.com today and receive 10% off your first order by using our stacker code SB. It's super easy. Find all the digital service you need in one place at FIVERR.com code SB. Again, that's fiverr.com code SB. Hey, stackers, I'm your cyber pal, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So get this, there I am in line at Best Buy so I can score the best possible Cyber Monday deal. I figured this, if they're offering such good deals online, imagine what they'll offer to the few dedicated shoppers who show up in person. But the lady at the front door at Best Buy just kept telling me to go home because apparently all our cyber deals are found right on our website. Yeah, right. I know that game, lady. But she wouldn't stop. Even after I winked, even after I nodded, even after I showed her the five bucks in my wallet, nothing. So I called her Oliver Twist, and she looked at me weird. I don't know why. So then I called her David Copperfield, and she asked me why I was calling her that. I told her I was giving her the dickens for not sharing the deals. <laughs> Apparently, highbrow literature humor isn't her thing because she still insisted that I use my own computer to shop. Well, don't worry, stackers. I came out on top, and I know I don't do this often, but you'll have to stay tuned to hear how my tale ended. But before I go, let's get back to today's trivia. The question was, what device do people use most to create the highest revenue for stores on Cyber Monday? Is it shoppers on desktop, mobile, or tablets? Coming in with 4% of revenue, it's tablets. Coming in at 45% are mobile devices and squeaking it out one more year, still leading the way are desktops at 48%. Based on current trends, that likely won't be the case for long because mobile shoppers are on the rise. All right, check back in for our takeaways when I'll fill you in on how my epic tale concludes. See ya! I was with you. I thought mobile was going to do it. Maybe this is the last year for desktops. You know, it's something funny. We have a whole home internet mesh network. Same one you have, Eero, E-E-R-O. Bridget was talking about that uh, network on Wednesday and how maybe if you're listening today, you still may be able to get a great deal on the Eero network. And like she said, so eloquently, like Bridget always does, doesn't really light up somebody's eyes and they're like, oh, look, a mesh network from my home is my gift for the holidays. Thank you so much, but it's great. Don't you love it? Yeah, no, I do. And uh, they just had an update to their website or their app where they can actually see now the download and upload data. Oh boy. <laughs> exactly. Remember when you got like those AOL CD-ROMs? <laughs> you got like 25 hours of 56 kilobytes or whatever. I looked it up for the month of November we're recording this about a week in advance. <laughs> My kids are on vacation for a week, so this number is going to skyrocket. We were at like 1.6 terabytes of downloaded data, you know, between Xboxes and Apple TVs and YouTube and iPhones. and The whole nation this year is going to be crazy, yeah. I think. Yep. I think, by the way, getting back to desktop, I haven't built a desktop. I've had, I've had desktop computers back in the 
nineties built for me kind of collaboratively where I chose the pieces and had somebody put it together. I think I'm going to build one now that I've got my new office coming. I think that I'm going to, it's going to be so fun. There you go. So, so fun. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline OG, tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Definitely cyber shopping. Monday. Um, Cyber shopping. You really going to buy anything today? I was doing a little shopping last week over the, in fact, uh, I go down rabbit holes. I don't know if you know this or not, Joe, but I have, I have very narrow interests and they change from time to time. So like all of a sudden I'll say, oh, I should learn how to do this thing. And I kind of go down that rabbit hole. Like when I, when I did the flying thing a year and a half ago and, uh, and I happened upon this thread on coffee makers and I was like, I totally need a new coffee maker. And so I go, go down this whole path of like the best coffee espresso makers in the entire universe. And so I'm telling my wife all about it. She's like, yeah, I don't, I, I can't, you're just gonna have to spell it out for me. Is this what you want for Christmas? And I'm like, um, sure, but you're never going to buy it. And she's like, she's like, oh, would you just want to buy it for yourself? And I go, no, I'm not gonna buy it either. She's like, why not? I'm like, cause it's like 4,500 bucks. And she's like, oh my God. We're not spending forty five hundred. I said, I know. You said that's what you just said. Don't you love that? By the way, when you say it first, and then she echoes it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know. That's why I said. But it would have been funny for you to walk into the like store and go, "Oh, my husband's really into this coffee maker." (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Right over here. Hey, hey. you'll be putting this on your American Express card, I assume. Would you like us to gift wrap it for free? (laughs) Would you like me to pull your car around and wash it? So, anyways, so I got my Mister Coffee drip going still. So been spent a little time on the internet over the last week. So I've been, been doing a little shopping already, but not on coffee makers, sadly. Well, it's actually your loved ones and your time not to spend more time on the internet. That's what Haven Life has here. But if your kids are on the Xbox, who cares, right? Just go jump on something. Uh, that's why they made buying term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Application is simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. You can get this done during the holidays going to 2021 with your life insurance taken care of. How great will that be for your family? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. And today we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend, Glenn. Say hi, Glenn. Hey, Joe and OG. I've got kind of a niche question that may not apply to the other two listeners, but here it is. I'm 40 now, but in my early 20s, I spent time in the military. While in Iraq in 2005, I started investing in the S&I fund of the TSP. After small investments during that year in country and for one more after returning home, I left the service and had just over 2,000 invested. 15 years later, and having not contributed anything else, it has now grown to 10,000. I'd like to consolidate my investments from this and other workplace retirement accounts into Vanguard, where I have a Roth and traditional IRA established. Can I do this with the TSP? Would it all go into the traditional or the Roth? I also seem to remember that there's some different tax laws for income and investing while overseas. So does it matter that some of this money was invested while I served in Iraq? Or should I just simply leave the money alone, let it grow for an additional 20-so-odd years, and take it out when I'm retirement age? Any help would be appreciated. Thanks. Hey, thanks for the call, Glenn. And by the way, thank you for your service. And how about that, OG? Exactly what you're talking about earlier. You leave it alone, and 2000 turns into 10000 How's about that, huh? So what do you think? Oh, yeah, I would totally roll this into uh, 
you know, an IRA or Roth, depending on what he did with it at the beginning, probably was just a regular pre-tax contribution. I guess I, I, I missed the year, but I'm guessing it was 20, he said 20 years ago or something. So, so the Roth 401k really wasn't a thing back then. So, uh, there's no harm in doing it. You know, some people would say, yeah, TSP is really good and it's got low cost stuff. And that's true. But if you have no prospects of going back into government service, you probably aren't likely to use that in the future. So putting it in one place is totally fine. It will be into your traditional IRA. Won't go into your Roth, right? Because it was decidedly pre-tax. The income stuff that you're talking about, about being overseas and earning money, combat pay, and while uh, in country and stuff like that, that all relates to your earned income, not not as it relates to savings. There are some different savings provisions now, but um, I don't think they existed 20 years ago. So that is uh, not a point. The only thing that I would add to this that may be worth considering, although probably not, would be, you know, you can use the TSP backwards. Probably doesn't make a ton of sense because, you know, Vanguard, TSP, they're both low cost, you know, so on and so forth. But you could go and put your old retirement plans into your TSP. Uh, that would be the ultra simple plan because you only got you know a few funds to pick from and that you would make your investment selection pretty simple because you'd only be able to pick from a couple. But but I like your idea better, frankly, just taking it all and putting it into one place and just kind of having the repository of all of your retirement plans all in one place. That's uh, that's what I would suggest. I do too. Totally agree. And to your point, it's not that the TSP is poorly managed. It's one of the best managed funds out there for workplace retirement plans. I just like having everything under one roof, one dashboard. And I also, gee, would not roll that to the TSP, even though I like that as an idea, the way the TSP is now, the problem is you're on the hook if you do that, right? You then are subject to whatever moves TSP makes. And if for some reason it becomes a poorly managed fund later on, they switch companies, they do something different than what they're currently doing. Uh, you just got to go along with it, where in your IRA, you can do whatever the heck you want. Very true. Thanks for the question, Glenn. You got a question for us like Glenn did. Had to, and by the way, that question, OG, in its heart is not as niche as Glenn thought it was. Taking these little old IRAs that you got all over, combining them into one spot where you have a lot of flexibility and can do whatever you want is important, I think, for a lot of people listening if the statistics about how often people change jobs are true. Well, it's just so much simpler to have everything all in one place. It's just easier to manage, easier to keep track of, one statement to read, you know, all that stuff. So to ask a question like Glenn did, head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash voicemail. You can do that right from your phone or if your computer has a microphone, you can do it there. Just hit that record button and we're going to send Glenn a greatest money show on earth, the uh, Haven Life Stacky Benjamin Circus t-shirt, one of my favorite shirts. By the way, I got a I have a uh, conference call coming up with uh, Brad, who makes T-shirts for us later today to talk about some new possible shirt designs, which I think for now we'll just leave some of the ideas we have alone and let people discover them later. All right, that's going to do it for today. Last but not least, big thanks to everybody who's left us a review of this show. Head to wherever you listen to podcasts. Reviews are nice. You know what's even better is if somebody needs to get started with investing, have them listen to somebody like Bola because Bola makes this, as you heard today, so approachable. 
there's a good holiday gift, OG. Help somebody get started down this path, whether it's with us having fun at Stacky Benjamins or someplace else, just someplace you know people might enjoy. Get somebody started. I think most people don't realize how fun this can all be. So thanks to everybody who's taken some time to do that. All right, Doug, we'll leave it for you now, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headlines. If you want to achieve high-end results, then you need to invest in yourself. Second, take a lesson from Bola Secundi. Investing? Get started. The details are easier than you think. But the big takeaway? Persistence pays because I refuse to leave. These Best Buy employees took me to the back to their secret computer and secret website and gave me access to all the real Cyber Monday deals. It's amazing. The website looked like the same one you'd find online. So sneaky of them. Brilliant. A special thank you to Bola for joining Joe today. You can check out more about Bola at clevergirlfinance.com. We'll also have a link to her latest book, Clever Girl Finance, Learn How Investing Works, Grow Your Money, on our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. And we'll also have a link to her podcast, the Clever Girl Knows Podcast, wherever you listen to finer podcasts like this one. This show is created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter, at SBenjamin'sCast, or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Wait a minute. I just checked my computer at home, and now it's also showing the same great deals that I saw on the secret computer in the back room of the... I think I'm on the inside now. I'm totally a Best Buy insider. Oh, this could be big. Welcome to the after show. This is a part of the show that doesn't exist. You know, we talk a lot here about uh, a few comedians, Jim Gaffigan, Kathleen Madigan, Brian Regan. They all got to end in an. I guess they do. Uh, We're going to break that trend today. 
a great comedian named Nate Bergazzi just posted this on Instagram. You found this OG. Neither you nor I have heard it yet, so we're going to sample it together. But if it's Nate Bergazzi, it's incredibly, incredibly funny. You can find his stand-up comedy. He's part of a big stand-up comedy special on Netflix that's uh, multiple comedians, and then he has a second one where he's uh, by himself. But this is uh, Nate Bergazzi on Instagram today. We've been married uh, 12 years, and our wedding, uh, it was not good. (laughs) <laughs> this is not this is not my fault this was my my mom and my wife planned the wedding and they're both cheap so they cut corners if we hire someone if we hire someone to do something in our house I promise he does not do that job full time <laughs> he'll be fixing our dishwasher and we're like do you paint houses and he's like yeah I probably could paint houses you know <laughs> his business card says how hard could it be right can't be that hard uh We got married on Friday the 13th. Got a pretty sweet deal on that. <laughs> they were wide open. We were like, what times are available? They go, every one of them, all 24. You can call us that day if you want. Her brother married us. That was free. The photographer was just a buddy of ours that had like a, he just bought a new camera. So we were like, you didn't do our wedding? Never done anything professionally, and it, it showed. Uh... <laughs> His camera stopped working during it, and he started taking stuff out of it. Like, that would be the problem. Like, it's like, yeah, you know what? I bet they put too much stuff inside of it when they built it. You should yank some of those wires. That's not supposed to be in there like that. Our DJ was awful, and that's because we got my mom to hire the DJ. I don't know who thinks to ask someone in their 50s for DJ recommendations. No one ever is like, Mom, are you in with the local DJ scene by any chance? <clears throat> she hired someone older than her. He just had CDs, and this was when computers were doing real good. <laughs> he got uh, super drunk, played the same song three times in a row, White Wedding, which he said was by Billy Joel. <laughs> he only had one leg, seriously, and... That's fine, you know, no one cares. Until he starts messing up, and then you're like, why does he have one leg? Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. 
visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.